Hello. This year I chose for my Lenten reading, amongst other things, a book called Thy Will Be Done, written by Stephen Cherry, the Dean of King's College, Cambridge, specifically for a 2021 Lent with the backdrop of the coronavirus crisis. As the title hints, he takes the Lord's Prayer and over a series of six sections unpacks some of its treasures and riches. He also tackles some of the difficulties with the terms that Jesus used as they were written down in the Greek New Testament. One of the sections I found thought-provoking was the one tackling the phrase and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mr Cherry began by quoting Pope Francis as saying, Forgiveness, forgiveness, it is so difficult to forgive. He then proceeded to look at the individual words used. Are we talking about sins or trespasses for a start? There is a world of difference between a trespass, a civil wrong that can be compensated, paid for in money, and a sin, a crime deserving of punishment. What is it that we are asking God to do? To forgive us all the little ways in which we intrude into the space of others? Or is there something so terrible about our inability to live up to the glory of God that requires punishment that only a death on a cross can atone for? Another big question is whether our being forgiven is conditional on our being able to forgive others. What if we just can't forgive someone for what they've done to us? And I'm thinking here of some of the truly terrible things that happen in the world. Abuse, trafficking, exploitation. What if someone behaves so badly that letting them off the hook, giving them a clean slate with no questions asked, would be the wrong thing? When is righteous anger the right response? Most difficult of all, what if we can't forgive ourselves for what we've done, what we've been, what we are? What happens then? Can we experience the forgiveness of God if we can't or won't forgive others? Or can't or won't forgive ourselves? You see, I think that most of us have some sort of standard in our minds as to how we'd like to be seen of what we'd like people to think of us. That's certainly true in my case. I confess, only slightly tongue in cheek, I even sometimes have a little daydream about what people might say of me at my funeral. I guess we hope for some sort of recognition of the ways in which we've tried to live up to a standard. More to the point, I guess we hope that all the ways in which we failed miserably to live up to that standard will stay hidden, unnoticed. Or if they're noticed, they'll be overlooked as minor peccadilloes, amusing, lovable, easy to forgive. The effort at total goodness is quite exhausting and impossible to maintain.
the fruits of the Spirit, goodness, kindness, self-control and so on, they're a beautiful but very remote objective. So most of the time we aim for something a bit short of that, a sort of good enough standard of behaviour, you might say. And we think perhaps that so long as we're sticking to good enough, we'll be able to live with ourselves. What goes on in our heads and our hearts is quite another matter. Envy, pride, malice, bitterness and anger. We can hide from others and from ourselves. Because so long as we're not letting them surface, they won't hurt anyone. The trouble is that sooner or later they do surface. A bit of tiredness, a bit of boredom, a bit of frustration with the lockdown restrictions on our lives. And it's suddenly quite hard to contain these sorts of feelings. We may find that our good enough mask has slipped and we've fallen short of our own standards of acceptable behaviour, let alone the glory of God. Over the last year or so of living through this coronavirus crisis, the goodness of many has been hard to miss. The kind of people who give their time and their talents to those most in need. The doctors and nurses and carers who've battled for people's lives at risk to themselves. The scientists who fought to develop a vaccine those who've sat at the bedsides of the sick and the dying, who've taken their funerals, teachers who've sat at their desks at home, carers who've gone to live in care homes, those who've worked to keep our lives going through these strangest of times. And I've wondered enviously, with a generous helping of guilt and shame, about the value of my own contribution, let alone the slipping of the good enough mask. In Thy Will Be Done, Stephen Cherry talks about how God's forgiveness is never withheld from us, how the conditionality that's built into the phrase forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us is a misunderstanding He quotes Karl Barth as writing, What God's forgiveness is must be clearly understood. Here it is not a question of an uncertain hope, of an ideal to be sought or imagined. It is a fact. Even before I ask it, God has already granted his pardon. He who does not know He who does not know that prays in vain. Forgiveness is already given, and this is the reality by which we live. The pardon we receive from God is different from our own ability to forgive others and ourselves. We don't have the power to wipe the slate clean. All we can do is free ourselves and others from the guilt and the resentment and the anger, the sin that clings so closely. And the ability to do that is a grace that we receive as free gift from the source of all forgiveness and mercy. 
It is not that our being forgiven by God is conditional on our being able to forgive others. It is that it's only by God's prevenient grace, the grace that goes before, that we are empowered to accept and pardon, to free both ourselves and others. It isn't goodness that comes first, it's grace. And so Holy Week begins, the die is cast, Jesus has entered Jerusalem and the events of this week will unfold as they do every year, taking us on a roller coaster journey of betrayal and forgiveness, love, envy and despair, fear and acceptance, pain and suffering, from self-emptying and death through to a new dawn and a new joy, the resurrection of the beloved and the promise of his glory. Every year these events touch us at the deepest level, questioning and testing our commitment, our loyalty and our love. If I may express a hope for us all this week, it is that through taking this journey in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we may learn a little more of the inestimable love of God and of the grace of his beloved Son, in whom we have both the means of grace and the hope of glory. Amen.